0: Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts here, Dana Ozban, here with my friend and Chavruta and Gordon. Our daf today, Masach Sahim, daf Ein Vav 76. So, as I mentioned yesterday, this daf is really going to be a discussion of the Mishnah that we read previously, which discussed what happens if, you know, basically the Korban Pesach came in contact with either the inside of an oven or gravy or food, but something that potentially could have been cooked other than through Sli age, And because that food is hot, it could have cooked part of the uh, korban pesach itself. And then the korban pesach was not cooked in the roasted way that it needs to be cooked. So the Gemara takes a very interesting detour here for this staff and really discusses, I would almost say, some of very fundamental concepts that underlie kashrut um, and sort of the mixing of foods together. And it begins with the following discussion, which really has to do with how do foods absorb each other? In other words, if you have milk and meat that accidentally come in contact with each other, do we say that the meat, you know, absorbs the milk or the milk absorbs the meat or, you know, vice versa in some capacity like this? So, it was stated, so you have hot food that falls into hot food, right? Meaning, and the, the idea would be, you know, hot meat that falls into hot milk or hot milk that falls into hot meat. hakol, Everybody says, Asur, it's going to be forbidden because the idea is, is that the heat, right, causes some type of absorption. Sonin, letoctonin, but cold that falls into cold, right? So cold meat that falls into cold milk or vice versa. Debrea mutar, everyone's going to say it's permitted. Because that food is cold, there's no worry about any type of absorption. And this sort of makes sense from a scientific point of view, right? Because we say like, you know, heat is, uh, it's almost like heat is conductive, right? Like it it, it it, carries something. So the idea here is it carries the flavor, the essence of what that meat or milk is. Cham letoch sonen. So now we have a question of something hot falls into something cold. Vitsonen letoch ham, or let's say something cold falls into something hot. So now we have a machlokas here. Rav Amar Ilia Gavar. Rav says the upper one dominates, right? So what does that mean? That means if something hot falls into something cold, right, the thing that's falling, right, if it's hot, then we say it can heat up the lower one, right? So in other words, if a piece of hot meat falls into cold, right, it heats up the lower one before the cold milk or whatever it is can actually cool that piece of meat. And therefore, since they're technically both heated, they can absorb from each other. So Rev says it has to do with sort of what if the, you know, what falls into it's the, the thing that falls into the item, that's the the piece that's key. Ushmuel Amer Tata, right? But Shmuel says it's the lower one uh, that's important. So according to Shmuel, it's what the piece of food falls into that's important. So therefore, for Shmuel, the difference would be that if something hot falls into something cold, we assume that the cold item actually cools down the hot item, and therefore no absorption actually takes place. So now the Gemara is basically going to... Uh, Challenge Shmuel's opinion or try to figure out Shmuel's opinion, and they're going to do that with a series of challenges. I'm just going to read, you know, part of the first one Tanan. We learned in a Mishnah, not of me wrote al the chazari love itol So let's say some gravy drips into, um, you know, into this earthenware, and then it it splashes back. Right, you have to remove it. So in other words, we're going back to our Mishnah and we're trying to figure out how these opinions fit into the Mishnah. Right. So the idea was, was we explained the Mishnah yesterday, that if the gravy of the Korban Pesach hits the earthenware hot um, oven and it splatters back, some of that gravy got heated from the earthenware. And, you know, therefore, when it goes back and splatters back onto the Korban Pesach, it's hotter than it would have normally been. And it cooks some of the Korban Pesach, but it's cooking it with heat that's not slayage. Right. gadatech right? So we would think that the, you know, Mishnah is maybe dealing with a cold earthenware. So this is good according to Rev, who says that the upper one dominates. So according to Rev, the way to understand this Mishnah would be as follows. You have hot gravy. It falls onto the cold earthenware. So we say what falls in is what's important. It heats up the cold earthenware, right? And therefore, that it, it it absorbs some of that, you know, it, it, there's some absorption that takes place. Mishum hacha mekomo. So when the gravy goes back, you need to remove it from its place. Da rota because the gravy, right, is go- basically going heats up the cold earthenware, right, which it dripped uh, dripped into, um, because the gravy is sort of the upper one. V'hadar Hadar mer tachle. And then this heated earthenware, in turn, heats the gravy. And then when the gravy goes back into the Pesach, And the Pesach is partially cooked, right, from the heat of the earthenware. Right, And we know that the Torah says, right, that it has to be fire roasted, and not roasted because of because of something else. But now we have to figure out, how does this mission work with Shmuel? Ella le Shmuel Amar But Shmuel who says that it's the cold one that's important, that it's sorry, it's the lower one that's important, right? So therefore, according to Shmuel, this gravy that go, the hot gravy that touches the cold side of the oven, you know, it is not, it, it's, it's not absorbing anything because actually the hot gravy cools down. It, it actually gets cold and therefore there's no absorption. Right, since the earthenware is cold, it cools the gravy off that dripped into it. amayi Tol So why do you have to remove that gravy that hits Splatter's back and hits it? So the Gemara is gonna basically reject this and say, kids Amr Rabbi Yermia, amar Shmuel, Rabbi Yermia says in the name of Shmuel, right? Bitsolet rotachat Right? The Mishnah here is dealing with, let's say, hot flour. So here, too, it has to be that according to Shmuel, this is dealing with a hot oven and it can't be a cold oven. And then the Gemara is going to go through a few other challenges to Shmuel. And the idea is basically going to be that whatever the item comes in contact with, this the solution is essentially going to be it was the, the bottom was the tata was always hot. But I think this is just an important fundamental here, you know, presenting about how does absorption work? Um, you know that hot with hot, everyone agrees there's an absorption. Colds with colds, everyone agrees there isn't an absorption. And then we have this very famous machlokas of rub and Shmuel that it really, you know, is important. You know, per Shmuel, it's what's falling in that's important. And then per sorry, per rub, it's important what's falling in. And per Shmuel, what's important is what's catching the what's catching the item. You know what what it's falling into.
1: So well, I think what you said at the beginning, Ardena, is exactly on target. Namely, uh, we're dealing with a whole lot of kashrit concepts um, and they are mentioned here, as we've talked about in the past, what happens in the Gemara, they are mentioned here with the assumption that, of course, you already know it all. And, uh, you know, but we don't, Meaning. You- I'm sure many of the people listening, you know, are co-learners. And I, I know you do. And I also do know quite a bit of because of living kosher. Right. But that's not the same thing as the Gemara's assumption. Right. The, uh, the Gemara just takes it as a given that, of course, I mean, it's going to make a reference to something and we're all going to be on the same page, quite literally. I, so, I want to mention one I will thing say before that you it,
0: move on to what you were going to do. Right. But I think what's fascinating here is, is that when you initially read that Mishnah, you think it's an issue about Sliesh. But then the gemara really, in an amazing way, is able to show no. This actually has to do with fundamental kashrut issues, and and the issue of absorption with heat.
1: Right. So what I wanted to say is that the you know in this discussion the the gemara goes on to talk about here a specific breita, right that's brought that's brought from elsewhere right that is specifically about the kashrut as opposed to it's not. Conf- the Gemara goes on to not be conflating the two, right, the, the Korban Pasach issue or even the general absorption. It does give us a little bit more background, I think, than we usually find, which is what I was trying to get at. Tanya idah, right, so we're in the middle of the discussion, Gerdina, that you've just represented here. Basar Oteach, Shanafalotuch This is kind of the classic case, right? What happens if you would have, you know, we say a drop of milk into a vat of, of chicken soup? a big pot of chicken soup. So in this case, we're talking about hot and hot, right? The milk that falls into your, into your, I'm sorry, hot meat in this case, falls into hot milk. Um, What if you had something that was cold that falls into something that is hot? Either way, it is considered a sur, meaning if the base is the, if the base that is uh, receiving the new item is hot, either way, the, the, mixture of them, the combination of them, becomes prohibited. But if you have something hot that falls into something that is cold, or if you have something that is cold that falls into cold, meaning your base is cold, then you can rinse it off. Or rather, can you rinse it off? Right, That's the question. Rinsing it off might indeed be sufficient. Oh, I'm sorry. So in those cases, if, if it falls into cold and cold, then you're fine. And the Gemara comes comes in asks again, or it's really this this bright, uh, really, can you do that? You can wash off the hot that fell into the cold. And this, I think, is what you're getting at before you, right? The idea here is that because it's hot, there's no way, the claim here is that there's no way that even as the cold will cool it off, because it was originally warm, Hot. there's no way to say that it won't have any absorption. There's going to be some absor- absorption there, in which case rinsing it off won't read you of the alternate flavor, right? That's the concern here, that when you come, what's the premise of rinsing something off is that you could separate between the the prohibited and the permitted, or really we're talking about, in this case, right, meat and milk, each of them is permitted except for when they're in combination, and if the both items are cold, the presumption is that you can you can wash off the, the one, the other one. And then because it's permitted and permitted, you have, if you have no need of, if you have no absorption, then you have no need of worrying that absorption took place. Meaning if something is cold. Um, okay. So the Mishnah, this brighter, sorry. It's not a Mishnah. The brighter continues. Um, Adme or oh, this, this is now the Gemara. So on this Mishnah, on this brighter. Oh my goodness. I cannot talk. Adme Karle. This is why I said there's no way that it didn't absorb a little bit. So then you have to remove a little bit. To, like get the skin off or scrub off a little bit of the top layer of whatever was that, that the, the hot that fell into the cold. And, and then you should be okay. So the, the bright hair, basically it's rewritten to say, you know, instead of saying that both of them are fine, that everything is, you just rinse it off, separate those two cases and say that warm into cold or hot into cold, you need to peel off a bit um, to make sure that nothing, that any, that that the obvious absorption is not included in what you are permitted to eat. And cold in that falls into cold, you're fine, just rinse it off. So again, this is the, the I would say this whole, Breita is here to bring the background proof for whatever you want to say for the, all the discussion about the absorption with the roasting of the Korban Pasach. And then um, the Gemara goes on here to say, well, that's fine if we're talking about hot and cold, just basic hot and cold. That's the case, cold and to, to cold, rinse it off. Huna, lo shanu el that's fine if you're talking about just cold foods, but what happens if you have something that is salted? Now, salted here does not mean uh, you—I don't know—put a little bit of salt on your potato to make it taste better. It means salted like, um, like pickling, right? Like it's a, it's a, right? When we salt meat, it's, I think of deli, right? It's it dries it out even, right? There's there's a whole food um, category of salted foods. And so, and they are technically officially cold in that they are not hot in terms of temperature. But Rav Huna's point here is that cold rule that we just had, cold and cold, where you wash it off, is not going to apply for salted food. Because salted foods, according to Shmuel, is like it is boiling. It it is so invested in the taste of the item that it is. Kavush harehu meaning something that's, and this is really pickling, right? Something that is marinated in a brine, right? That is the pickling. It's as if it's cooking. So salting your food might not be identical to pickling. I mean, it's not, but but both of these categories where you end up with the salt, um, I don't know what it does to the food, right? It It, it affects the taste of the food to make it Kind of entrenched well, in the well, time that it you, is
0: in the t- but, but I think you know think about it if you over salt something it's very you can't get rid of that you know what I mean like it just permeates it's not like you can it's very hard to rinse off salty or brine like once something um, is inherently pickled yeah. you can't depickle it or desalt it right
1: but so that it suggests that the issue is the saltiness itself and I think the issue is the time that the salt then. Right, that's on, what I'm trying to say. That I think given- you can't get
0: rid of that flavor. That's what I'm trying to. I I yes, I'm agreeing with you. You can't get rid of that flavor. That is not right, it's not just a salt. It's not just the saltiness, but like there's nothing you could do to remove that taste. You can't rinse it off. You can't cut it, you know, right. you can't peel right, it off. Right. That's Fair what enough. I'm trying to say.
1: So and Raven makes the point, which I've just said before, that when we talk about salting here, we're not talking about the salt that you would eat with your food. It's the salt that you would actually wash off in order to be able to eat that food, and yet it still is changed by virtue of having been salted to that extent. So the Gemara continues and has this case, <speaking in Hebrew> There's a bird, a young bird, that fell into a jug of kamka, Famka here is kutach, our old friend kutach, meaning this is the quintessentially dairy item that it is, you know, you can't get more, you can't get more, uh, a more clear example of a solid food that is dairy, right? It doesn't talk about cheese, it talks about kutach, which is this mixture um, uh, of, you know, grain and, and milk, right? basically. Um, and it's, it's uh, soured, I guess, somewhere along the way. So then the question is, is this food, right? Your The bird falls into the kamcha, kamcha, um, and then the question is, is that meat or milk together, or could you then rinse it off, you know, and and call them separate? So, mm-hmm. Rav Chinana, the Rava, mi pashrona, permitted it, right? He said that that case, for all that it would seem to be, you know, this quintessential problem, turns out to be not such an issue, um, not such an issue, Um, because, well, I'm going to read it inside, because I I think it's a really nice rendition of what Rava has to say about it. I'm a Rava. Who is wise enough to permit something as complicated as this? If it's not, Rav Chinana, Bar Rava Mipashron. Yeah. Meaning, this is the old, we talk about this all the time, I guess, maybe not so much on the podcast, that it takes a much more a, a lot more wisdom to be able to be make to ge- be able to give the more lenient position right you have to know more to be able to say that's not a problem because on the surface of it it certainly looks like a problem and that's rava's point right it looks like you just got meat into your very dairy item of milk why you know and it's fermented on top of it why would this be in any case why would this be permitted um and so the Gemara explains, he, is, he was a great man. And therefore, he could see that there's a reason for the leniency, even though it appears to be something that should be prohibited. And the rationale is, is exactly this. This item is not so salty that you wash it off, this kutach. It, it has the consistency Meaning for all that it is salted, and you would think that it's in the category of um, boiling, right? With Shmuel's understanding of of salted being like boiling, it's not, according to this view, right? I mean, this is the position that why is it permitted? Because you eat it with that salt. It's not so salty as to need washing off to begin with. So the implication there is that the ta'am, the taste of the item itself, will not be, is not indispensable. I guess it won't rub off onto uh, whatever it comes to touch. So this brings me. I'm going to now jump in the Gemara onto Amabet. Bet. It brings me to uh, just, and I, I want to, in the interest of time, I'm just going to mention it really outside of the Daf itself um, to say that the Gemara goes on to discuss other mixtures, and it brings us back to the Korban Pesach of where do you have mixtures in such a way that you, you know, to what extent does it become a problem, and not necessarily prohibited foods either. The Gemara gives an example of what about two Korban e Pesach that are that meaning two groups come to make their korban pesach and each one of them has to do the roasting right so can you then roast them together you know in the same in the same experience of roasting or is that going to be a problem of the mixing of flavors i mean the mixing of flavors of this korban with that korban where neither is prohibited right each one is permitted to those for whom it is designated and and ordered and everything like that but to mix korbanot Pesach, where you're not going to be part of the other one, uh, you know, is potentially a problem. So, and that's exactly what the Kumar says. no, lo, rovet gufid. You've got a mixing of these carcasses of the two animals, and you could end up switching them by accident, and you end up really in trouble. So it's not a meat and milk kind of prohibition. It's a matter of keeping everything straight as it is designated. That's the plan for the Korban Pesach. But what, but. To bring it back to kashrut, meaning, because again, we've got this interplay between the Korban Pesach and kashrut, this mixing of flavors um, is, is an interesting question that comes up. We'll see this much more once we get to hilkot kashrut down the road, right? Because you can ask the same question about the same cut of meat, one kosher, one not kosher, and you cook them together. They One ta'am is not given off into the other ta'am, the taste, in terms of the taste itself being different, but the taste itself is considered halachically different, because it's not just about meat, but about the permissibility of it. So here, too, the Karban Pesach, the tarovit of the same exact flavor, meaning two different animals, two different goats, let's say. They're the same. It's going to have the same flavor to each family, but you can't blend or each group, rather, not family. You can't blend them. Because, because of exactly this problem, that it has to be designated for those for whom it's no. Uh, good.
0: No, thank, I think that was a great summary. And this idea of sort of mixing flavors is one that we'll see again. It's a, an interesting concept. And I think we do know that it exists, right? There are certain foods that if they touch something, even if it's not heated sometimes, you definitely taste it afterwards. Like for me, I don't like melon particularly. And I find like fruit that touches <laughs> melon and it's cold. It has that melony taste to me and I won't eat the other prick. So I, I'm just giving that example. So
1: the trickiest part, I think, and just to mention it is, of course, when you can't identify Ta'am with your own taste to f- say like, oh, this makes sense. What happens when, when the melon didn't rub off on the other fruit, right? Like that kind of thing, which we... It's part of the crux of Khokashrut, and we'll talk yeah, about and it. And I in just t- want to point time. out
0: one quick thing here, and then we'll wrap it up today. Yeah. Uh, I know there's another Mishnah here, but we'll talk about that Mishnah tomorrow because it's really about a totally different topic. Um, there's one little thing in here that's so weird. Um, when they're talking about, because, you know, Levi has this opinion that the aromas are not important um, or sort of they don't mix with each other. And it says, Avi Levy, U, um, Uvda Reish Galuta. So Levi ruled in a case in the house of the Rish Galuta, Devar acher involving a goat and something else. And so most Mafarshim explain that the other the other else, the Dvar acher is a pig. And it's to me, this is such a bizarre story. So the idea is, is that they were allowed to be sort of roasted together. The Mafarshim, so, you know, sort of explained maybe it was one cooked after the other. The point is more, why was a pig being cooked in the house of the Galutza? There is no comment given to that here. Um, I didn't have time to like super research it. But I just thought that was a, maybe somebody who's listening to this has some insight into that. I thought it was a bizarre detail and a bizarre story to share.
1: But the part that I love here is that it yes, is the right. This is you know who. This is he who shall not be named. That animal yes, that is the we devar will see
0: that In other places, that pig in particular is never named, right? It will be called Devar because it's, you know, the traitest of any trait animal that you can say. So we almost don't speak of it. But I but I wonder if it's called because exactly. it's almost like I don't know. Is it change? I, I I can't figure out why a pig was cooked in the house of the rich.
1: You know, when I was a kid, there was an ad, I guess, on TV, maybe radio where they talked about the other yes. white meat being pork, which is, you know, and I've and, and this like it's not it's obviously, you know, supposed to that's an ad for it. you're supposed to then go eat pork. And we're not supposed to go eat pork. So it doesn't work as far as that goes. It's the opposite meaning of right. other. Right. But in this case, like I, I keep thinking, like we all know what we're talking about, right? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and I think that there is something to be said for that. That they, they're all so much on the same page to be able to say that this is not, you know, de means pork, and and we know what we mean. We all
0: know what we mean, and we're not even going to have to name it because we all are. Well, in the know. that's our dap discussion for the day. Us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff and some of the topics it raises about Kashrut on our Talking Tomlin Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.